and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. The dogs are here, cuddling on their bed. I've got my tea, and I'm ready to talk to you about all kinds of stuff. I want to start by first saying thank you to every single person that has listened to any or every episode that I've put out so far. It means a lot to me. I'm I'm just doing it on my own because I have things I want to talk about, things that come up in my interactions with people, things that came up in community life, and things that I'm dealing with just like you that I want to talk about. And I also have so many friends that live far away from me that if I could spend all day talking to all of my friends in all the different places, probably wouldn't have time to do the other things that I need to do. And this is sort of my way of having the conversations that I would like to have with them. Yes, I am aware it is a one-sided conversation with the hopes that, for me, that eventually when I'm in the UK or in Holland or in South Africa or anywhere where I have dear friends that there might be a possibility to have these conversations either in those places. I mean, who wouldn't want to have that? Or opening this up to talk to different people through this app, the Anchor app. Anyway, that's what I wanted to say. Firstly, and foremostly, pretty sure that's not a word, that I am very grateful. And I think that it's powerful that we as people want to have these kind of conversations. And not all of us are in places where we can have these with our friends or our partners or our parents, but they are still important conversations to try and have. And I do hope for you that it opens up ways and access to people that you can have these kind of conversations with if you're not able to at this point. That brings me to what I want to talk about this week. I did make a semi-flimsy promise that I wouldn't tackle every podcast up until Christmas with just hard and sad things (laughs) Um, and so this week is probably a little bit lighter I want to talk about self-care and I know self-care is complicated Um, I am a two on the Enneagram I've been doing work with the Enneagram probably for about 15 plus years now I wouldn't say that I'm an expert I would say I'm expertish in helping people figure out what their numbers are and what that means. Um, but I say that to say the two is the helper, and maybe it's not unique to twos, but sometimes I have a difficulty figuring out what I actually want, and that's where self-care comes in. So first I want to say some disclaimers about self-care. Self-care is not 
getting your nails done, going to a spa, buying a new car, taking holidays, um, but it can be. So what I mean by that is I think what happens with self-care is somebody starts talking about it. We've had it forever. We've had it like so many things since humans ended up on the planet. We have had, I guess, when we were having to survive, um, we've had some kind of self-care, some kind of something that was just for us, something that we put our minds to to help ourselves feel better. Um, I guess it would depend on how much we're having to survive or stay alive that we could engage in that earlier. But um, now we tend to, as humans, have more time on our hands. It doesn't mean we're not still fighting for our lives in some way, but we have more time on our hands and and probably more access to more things that could help us feel better or center us down. Um, but I think what happens anytime that people get on the bandwagon about something, it's like mindfulness. I say this all the time when I do the archery, the mindful archery workshops I do, you know, like beginning mindfulness, step beginning access to mindfulness. You know, this is what I think mindfulness is. This is how you can access it. It's for everybody. But just like with mindfulness and people deciding that they're mindful experts, it becomes an elitist thing. Not taking into consideration that, again, people have do, been doing some form of mindfulness or meditation since the beginning. And whenever we monetize it, it just becomes tricky and elitist. And I'm not saying that people should not be able to make money doing some of these things. But I think what often happens is... The more it becomes elitist, the less, the less access people have to it that need it just as much as people that have access need it, and probably even more. So back to self-care, I think that that has kind of happened with self-care. It's like there's positives. The more we talk about it in our societies, the more people realize it has value and everybody needs it, no matter who they are. They need to be able to self-soothe. Um, so that's the positive, but the negative is... The negative is... It gets harder. So the more it's talked about and the more it's blown up as something expensive and elitist, the less people have access to it. Because most of us can't just go out and get our nails done whenever. Or, plus I just don't, I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't think that that's what it's about. I think 
we have to take monetary things out of the self-care dialogue and find something that we can do that feels good to us regardless of our monetary position or the fluctuations of it. So why do I want to talk about that right now? The main reason is because I think during this time of year, and it's not just limited to people that have depression, but during this time of year, it can be very hard. There is a lot of joy, a lot of celebrating, a lot of parties, a lot of shopping, a lot of, you know, (laughs) my dog snoring, a lot of things to do, a lot of things to see. I think at the same time, what that does is it highlights our areas of lack. So if you are lonely, if you are without community, if you... If you're in a new city, maybe you haven't even had time to make friends yet. Um, Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've gone through a breakup. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you've had loss. Maybe somebody's died. Maybe it's as simple as, you know, seasonal depression because of the sun. Um... I think that this time of year is difficult for a lot of people. And I've gone into that, so I'm not going to go into it again. If you want to go back and listen to the survival tips and tricks part one, I get into it a little bit more about why it's hard. But when I used to uh, be a minister at the bridge... One of the things that I made a point to talk about this time of year with Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, Solstice, Kwanzaa, New Year's, it is, you know, if you celebrate three of those, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. So I used to spend a lot of time in my community talking about it because we had a lot of vulnerable people, me included. I didn't have a family that was safe for me to go home to or spend time with at Christmas. And everybody celebrating with their families and every movie and every commercial kind of focusing, laser focused on it being the most wonderful time of the year and how amazing family is just expose that nerve on a regular basis and so I had to get good or better at kind of managing myself in that time and also holding space for grief and reflection and boundary making and all kinds of things during this time of year, one of the things that we did, this is just a side note, um, we had a women's group that was an amazing group of women that agreed to keep quiet and not talk about 
what happened in the group outside of the group. So it was safe. There was no advising, no scripturizing. Um, but we talked a lot about self-help, health, and um, emotional intelligence within that group. And I learned a lot. And I taught a lot. And one of the things that we did one year is I came up with this idea of think about the thing that is the most difficult for you to navigate. Maybe your family's okay, but something comes up when you go back to your hometown. Or, you know, you have one relative that maybe isn't around all the time, but really sets you off. Maybe they're have different political beliefs than you or religious beliefs than you or equality beliefs. Um, or, you know, it can be from just a mild irritant all the way to it is completely unsafe for you to ever have contact with your family again and everything in between. And so we came up and talked about different painful experiences that we had at home or, or, just frustrations. And then we came up with something that would help us in that situation. So whether it was hearing the grandfather clock go off in your parents' house, and that would be the reminder to go to the bathroom and take some deep breaths, or you're going to go walk around the yard or you, you know, ask if you can take the dogs on a walk or whatever. Something that you could put on an 8 by 10 Is that, is that what they are? Anyway, just a, a card in your back pocket that would say, this is what I'm going to do every time the grandfather clock chimes. And the reason was, it, it's you don't have to wait. It's like those safe words that you're using in in moments of crisis, but it's also, you don't have to wait till there's a crisis. You can have something that every time somebody turns on Fox News, for those of you not in America, that is a news station here, which I'm sure you've heard about, that um, for most of us is very difficult to listen to because there's a lot of rhetoric and racism and sexism and just absolute bullshit on that station so um every time somebody turns on that or sports whatever then you can just go oh I'm gonna take three deep breaths every time that happens so that is self-care so I sidetracked for a while but I do want to get back to why it's important to have things that you can do not just in this time of year that's so difficult for so many people, but also just because what a perfect time to kind of hone your skills. Because what better time than when there's so many people that can set you off or trigger you for you to go, oh, I'm just going to practice taking three breaths every time, you know, somebody sets me off or maybe it's not somebody setting me off maybe it's every time I watch somebody do something crazy on the road I'm going to practice taking three deep breaths 
or I'm going to say a mantra to myself, which is my practice, not not necessarily behind the wheel, and it probably sh- should be my practice behind the wheel, because I do talk to a lot of the cars around me. I wouldn't say I have road rage, but I definitely have road comments. Um, so remind, let me just you know sum up what I've said so far. There are pluses and minuses to self-care being so on the radar. And holidays are hard. And there's many reasons why that's the truth. And there are lots of things that we can do to take care of ourselves during this time that do not cost money. And what better time to practice when there's so many things happening around us to remind us to practice. So one of the things that I'd like to remind us about is self-care being free and why it's so important. Because like I said before, I think we have to be people that can do it wherever we are in whatever circumstances we're in. You might have never had a feeling of lack of money. And I think you should be very grateful for that if that is your story. That is not my story and that's not the story of most of the people I'm around. And there's nothing to be ashamed about if you've never had to worry about money. But money can be a crutch that I think if you take it off of the table you can go what do I really need and I I think the way I would explain this is linked to the intensive journaling that I've been doing now for I think about 13 14 years it's based in Carl Jung's shadow work and I was gifted this training while I was um, working at the bridge and I have used it ever since and it has been transformative. Hands down, one of the most transformative tools that I have ever been gifted outside of therapy. And I would say in some ways more transformative than therapy because now that I know how how to do it, I can access it anytime, which sometimes I don't have access to therapy. So one of the gifts of that journaling that I have discovered is, so I've been teaching it probably over 10 years, and there's a lot that goes goes into it that I won't get into right now. But one of the things that I discovered after teaching it probably about nine years is one of the things that you have to do in the journaling is you have to listen to your inner voice. And that's a powerful thing, is to learn to listen to your inner voice. And then you journal, and it's prompt-led, and it's amazing. What I realized after teaching it for, you know, nine or ten years was that it was also a practice in trusting yourself. So you're listening to your inner voice. It's first thought, best thought. But our inner voice does not 
want to trick us. It has our best interest at heart because it is us. So it is the core of who we are wanting to give us the best advice, the surest path, the most secure footing. That doesn't mean there's no risk, no no grief, no pain attached to it, but it has our best interest at heart. And what it had done for me doing it all these years is I trust myself. Now that doesn't mean I don't have lack of self-worth or have doubts or have to use my own mantras, but for the most part, when I am still with myself and I listen to my inner, inner voice, I trust it. It has not led me astray. It has been accurate and it has been trustworthy. And I, I'm grateful to my, my inner voice, which is me, for giving me what I need. So I think that's what I want you to think of. When you think of self-care, you don't have to overthink it, but it's like first thought, best thought. That's what I use in the meditative archery, which is connected to that Jungian journaling journaling what is your first thought is your best thought because it's your inner voice telling you so if I sit in silence with myself and I think what do what do I like to do for self-care the first thing that comes to my mind is read and I do put limits on what I'm allowed to read for self-care I don't read political books I don't read books that have trauma in them, and I don't read books for work, which is being a spiritual director. And I read a lot. So I am constantly reading books for enjoyment as a self-care practice. The other thing is I, I like to take myself on walks. I like to be moving my body, and I can do that pretty much anywhere if you can't move your body what can you do to get yourself outside whether that's sitting like bundling up right now because it's winter and sitting outside you know you don't have to go if you're in an apartment you don't have to go out um and you know roll around town or Walk around town, you can sit on your balcony or you can open your window, getting air and breathing in whatever is outdoors. So I think what I can often do is get caught in the weeds or, you know, oh, but I I, want to walk in the woods and I I want it to be old growth forest and, you know, I want to listen to the ocean and I want to walk by the seashore and yeah all of those things I want to do but what can I do I can not always get into the woods even though you know I'm pretty close to Washington Park where I do the archery in Portland but I can't always get up there I don't always have you know an hour to drive and walk around and shoot and get back but what can I do I can walk around my neighborhood I can take my dogs on a walk. I can listen to a podcast that is a joyful thing, maybe not a serious one. I can, you know, take a bath. That I mean, the baths, especially in winter, are probably, I don't really do that in summer because it's too hot. 
top of my list is to take a hot bath with a mug of tea, listening to classical music and reading in the tub. My tub, I'm almost six foot. My tub does not fully cover me. And it doesn't let, you know, I can't let my legs fully stretch out. But it's still enough to submerge me in water that makes me feel really good. Makes me feel, I guess what it is, is it makes me feel like I've done something for myself. Which then helps me be in my body. It helps me center down. And that's what we're doing with self-care. We're returning to our bodies. The world is buffeting us. You know, it's it's hitting us. Our, our bills, we have bills to pay. We have pressures from work. We have friend problems, relationship problems, just human problems. We have, you know, things that feel like extra human problems, which is our planet and war and what the government is doing to refugees and we have all of these things that feel so big because they are big but we are not able to do for others if we cannot also take care of ourselves and I'm telling you something that is also very difficult for me to do. So I'm not saying, what the hell is your problem? Just do X, Y, Z, and you'll feel so much better. And then you can give back to people, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's hard. And sometimes we can do really good at it and stay on top of it. And then sometimes we can't. So do what you can. One of the things that I said a lot when I was um, a pastor at the bridge is, you know, we'd, I'd meet with somebody and they'd say, oh, I want to do, you know, an hour of meditation every day. And I'd be like, that's a setup for failure. <laughs> at least for me. Start with a tangible thing that you can accomplish. Set up with, that's my dog, just stretching. Set up with a minute every three days. Or maybe a minute is too short for you. Set up with five minutes, you know, every other day or three days a week. And then once that feels like good and doable, then add a minute. Add two minutes. Find a couple meditations that are led by somebody that you really feel help you center down and breathe and be peaceful in your body and try one of those but we we tend to do this thing this is why I absolutely hate new year's resolutions it's a total setup for failure it's like just set an intention I, I'm really hoping to build a meditative practice. I want to try to do a few minutes every other day, and then I'm going to look at it in a couple weeks and see if I can add to it, and then go from there. It's a practice. It's called a practice because we are practicing. We're not trying to get it right. We're just trying to practice it to make it become like 
a muscle that we are learning how to use and maybe it's not totally atrophied but it's it's building up strength and as it builds up strength you can add a little bit more and you know I just went you know I had been a couple years ago at about an hour of meditation um, every weekday and I took the weekends off and then I hit a dry spell and went to lead meditations and, you know, every few days. And then, you know, I went back to uh, silence and solitude, which is my, pretty much my go-to. I just need a timer and that's my go-to meditation that works the best for me on an ongoing basis. And recently I was doing 10 minutes a day and recently I was like, I think I'm ready to build back up and I am at 20 minutes most days most mornings before I wake up and sometimes I fall asleep and sometimes I don't most of the time I don't and sometimes I do and I don't beat myself up for that because just like Pema Chandran says we are leaning into loving kindness so that's self-care my self-care things are mindfulness like popcorn during the day at different different times centering walking breathing saying a mantra you know just being in the world and practicing mindfulness trying to meditate for 20 minutes every morning and not beating myself up if I don't when something is really hard or I really need some alone time taking you know a 30 to 40 minute burning hot bath walking walking or running every single day or doing some kind of movement in my body trying to be with myself reading and listening to podcasts that really build me up or empower me or at least make me laugh laughing is self-care those none of those things cost yes I need a car for some of them yes I need gas but I can do all of those things without having money so think about what makes you happy and that that might be hard for you And that's okay, because it was when I first started, it was hard for me. Think of two things that you could do that either bring you peace or bring you joy. And set an intention to over this holiday period to try to do one of those every day to every other day. I, I highly recommend the mantra because that is totally free. And you can get on my Instagram and I've probably written almost a hundred at this point. Um, maybe not quite a hundred, but I don't do math. So there you go. Um, and pick one that you like and say it over and over again. That's what I do. It's free. Put it in your car, on your dashboard. And then in every light, you can say, I am worth knowing, I am worth loving, I am worth being in this world. 
I am more than enough. I am more than enough. I am more than enough. I am in my body. I am of my body. I am with my body. I was meant to be in this world. Whatever, whatever it is, that's free. That's self-care. But be building your muscles of empowerment at a time that can feel disempowering. It can feel disempowering financially. And I think self-care can really help you make choices that reflect who you are, not who people expect you to be or who you expect yourself to be that is not really your authentic self. And it can help us withstand the pressures of being in a culture, at least the culture I'm in is very monetary focused all around me, spending, doing, buying, what's the next ne- next best thing, and that is not who I am. I I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable financially and it's definitely not sustainable environmentally and it's not for me it's not sustainable emotionally because it isn't who I am so if you could think about who you are what brings you joy or what gives you hope or what at least brings a respite of peace and then from that just take tiny baby steps towards doing that during the day. And the reason is because you're worth it. And out of that flow of loving kindness towards yourself, it is much easier to be loving kind, (laughs) to be more loving, that's better, to be more loving to those around us. Because, you know, I think there's all kinds of bumper stickers and memes and whatever out there that talk about how we have no idea what somebody else is going through. And so how important is it for us to move through our lives with loving kindness to ourselves so that we can be more loving out into this world? And approach the world with a generosity that it's not, I know it's not going to heal the environment, but it could heal our relationship with our environment. If we can approach our environment with generosity. And there is a funny thing I want to say about that. For the last few years, we've been um, trying to find a Christmas tree farm to to get a, a... Christmas tree at that we go out and cut our own Christmas tree and we used to have this great place that would donate Christmas trees to our community because a lot of our community I would say that probably over 90% of our community lived considerably below the poverty line and they would give away trees or they would um, just give us you know inexpensive trees and I've always been partial to a Douglas fir because it smells really good. And anyway, that's it's not important. But this year, 
we tried another farm and I really liked it. It was, you know, they had a fire and it was cozy and the people were really nice and the trees were not great. So we usually get like an eight foot, um, eight to nine foot, not super wide Christmas tree and we got our tree and we got it home it's got a giant bald spot at the bottom and it's uh not its branches barely even hold up the lightest light light lightweight lightest weighted that makes no sense anyway a lightweight ornament um and uh i was my daughter was over with her friend the other night and they were looking at the tree and I was like, yeah, it's kind of the saddest Christmas tree we've we've ever gotten. And my daughter looked at me and she was like, shh, I don't want the tree to hear that what you just said. And it's funny because the day before I had said that same thing to myself. I don't, it's not the Christmas tree's fault that it's, that it's, uh, you know, not the sturdiest or the hardiest that one we've ever gotten. But. I just thought, you know, that's the nature of, it's silly, but at the same time, it's true. That's the nature of leaning into your environment with generosity and with gratitude. Like, be grateful for the leaves on the ground and the rain and the the sun and whatever is whatever else is out there be grateful that we still have it and that's another for me i i think i've said it many times it's that it i can never repay nature for what it has given me self-care wise i cannot there is no way it's not humanly possible possible for me to repay the woods and the trails and all of the medicine that I've been able to harvest in the woods, it will never be possible for me to repay that. And I know that the planet is not asking me to repay it, but it is showing me something and I'm going to, obviously I've started with other things, recycling and composting and all of that, but I have financial limitations to do everything that I want to do but I can be grateful for what it gives me and I can be less of a taker so that was a little soapbox that I had some things to consider around self-care so we talked about the things that you know bring you joy bring you hope bring you peace center you down Some just practical things to think about are drinking water. You may not like water, but water likes you. So drink water. Try to eat well. Move your body. Get, apparently we need six to eight hours of sleep a night. I really do well with eight or more hours of sleep a night. Um, You know, moving your body... Saying no to others. I talked about that. I think it was in 
the holiday survival guide from last week, which was part two, I talk about how important it is to say no, because you can always change your mind from no. It's easier to change your mind from no than it is to change your yes into a no. Remember getting outside and if you really benefit from being around animals and you don't have an animal, you know, go to the Humane Society in your neighborhood and or volunteer somewhere or ask somebody if you can walk their dog. Our neighbors have a dog and we have two dogs and a cat, but our daughter loves, I mean, she loves our animals too, but she really has bonded with our neighbor's dog and um, watched it over the summer and so when she was really feeling like she wanted to she needed something she just asked the neighbors if she could walk the dog and they they said yes and then they paid her for it It was that was just an extra bonus so just think about it and also and I know this is also difficult for very busy people But schedule self-care in, not after, but before. Before the holiday parties, before the pressure to do all the shopping, before you get talked into going to places that you don't want to do, fill your reservoir with self-care. And the reason is, is I think it is easier to make good, healthy choices for yourself if your reservoir is full because you filled it and also we don't we still need people but we don't need people's affirmation as much and let me unpack that just a tiny bit it doesn't mean I still don't need Todd to tell me he loves me and for Brennan to hug me and kiss me at night But it's not the end of the world if I don't get it. If I don't see my friends at a certain time and have a phone call every week or face-to-face because I am filling my own personal reservoir and that's what it comes down to. You be the one to fill your reservoir and then what you get is just extra. What you get from other people is just extra. It's important. You are important. And I think if we can approach self-care realizing that we are important, then it can become more of a priority. And it will give us, it'll just, it'll give us a superpower. It'll give us a superpower to fight off, you know, consumerism and constant manipulation and pressure on our time it doesn't mean those things won't come at us but I think we'll have you know more of a capacity it's like when I look at the meditation that I do every morning am I excited by it every morning no or am am I dreading it sometimes absolutely but I am building that well that capacity to hold more. It's like, is it always fun to work on emotional intelligence? To work on boundaries? No. Sometimes I fucking hate it. But 
when I work on it, when I, when I engage it, when I don't resist that discomfort, I have more of a capacity to hold more and take more and give more. And that's what I want. I want that for myself and I want that for you. I don't want you to be taken out because of other people. I want you to be able to get up every time to breathe and to be sustained and strong. That's what I want for you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me and loving me. I feel that. Remember who you are. You're worth knowing. You are worth loving. And you are absolutely worth being in this world. And the world needs you. Have a really good week. Okay, bye-bye. B-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-